we've just saw Satan's plan of slavery and shame and death that he lures us into with, with lust and how we listen to the, the worldly wisdom and get caught up in it. But there's a better plan. There's a much better plan. God has a plan for us in our bodies. The question is, do we trust it? Do we trust him in this plan? His plan leads to joy and authentic freedom and good relationships. And so why wouldn't we trust his plan over Satan's plan? But it takes some time for us to learn his plan and to put ourselves into it and begin to, to trust it. But his plan, it starts back with the first commandment, not having other gods before our creator, the one true God. It goes back to the second command of glorifying God in his name, and it goes back to the third command of remembering to keep holy the Lord's day and preserving our Sundays to pursue God in worship, to pursue God in rest, and pursue relationships with our families. If we don't go back and do those and do those well and set a firm foundation, it's gonna be hard to follow and trust his plan. But if we do, we can break out of that cycle of confusion and we can enter into a different cycle of joy and, and happiness. Now God's plan for our sexuality, we're gonna talk about four different aspects of his plan so you can see how this plays out. And it starts with creation and how we're co-creators with God in our bodies. And we'll look at the part of his plan that calls us into the, the virtue of chastity, the virtue of self-mastery. And it'll show how in the sacrament of marriage, how Jesus is the model for a holy marriage. And it all leads to salvation, and that salvation is through Jesus' body and through our body. So when we go back to Genesis and look at the story of creation, we can see that God gave the gift of our bodies to us in creation and how we participate with him in creation. Creation is continuing right now. And we participate with God and therefore we glorify God through our sexuality as we participate with them. So you see, for five days, God created the sun and the moon and the planets and the stars and the water and the fish and the birds of the air, all the amazing plants and all the amazing animals. And he saw that all of these were good, but he was not yet satisfied. He knew that there was something greater to create. And so on the sixth day, God created mankind. He created mankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Finally, having created man and woman, he's satisfied. And he says, not that what he's created is good, but he said it is very good. Man and woman in his creation was the crown jewel of his creation the most holy and sacred of all of the animals. And he created them male and, feed, male and female. Then, in the very next verse, he gave specific instructions as male and female as to what we are to do. Those very specific instructions were be fertile 
and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. He didn't say with his next instructions, go and fornicate and have sexual pleasures and, and be self-seeking in your bodies. But he gave very specific instructions as to what to do. He was not unclear about it at all. And so with such a great gift in our bodies, it also comes with great responsibilities. Great responsibilities to use what God gave us and to do so in the way that God intends. And so when we look at the story of creation, there's a tremendous amount in this story we can take from it. So the second part of God's plan here involves the virtue of chastity. And so Jesus offers us himself as an example of chastity. But we think of chastity and we think, you know, that was easy for Jesus. He's God after all. <laughs> you know, I'm a mere human being and I'm susceptible to the temptations. I don't have the gift of divinity to be able to recognize it and to be strong against it. But Jesus doesn't leave us on our own. He gives us lots of examples in Scripture. And one of the best examples that he gives is the father of Jesus, St. Joseph. And we often see St. Joseph holding lilies. And lilies, as he holds those, it's a symbol of chastity and virginity. And you'll see that if you haven't recognized it. He's often holding lilies. And this is his way of showing us that he is Mary's protector. And that he's protecting Mary and her virginity by his chastity. What is chastity? Chastity, it's the virtue of self-mastery. It's the opposite of slavery. Instead of being enslaved and controlled by our desires, we have self-mastery so that we get to choose what is right in, in our behavior and direct it in a way that is good. And we can choose what is greater instead of settling for what is less. So that's what, what chastity and the, and the virtue of chastity provides to us. It allows us to not settle for the counterfeit, but to choose what is authentic and real. Chastity doesn't just pertain to those who have chosen a, a religious life, our, our nuns and our priests. It pertains to all of us. Whatever our vocation is, we need to have the virtue of chastity to live our vocation and to do it well. So it's for those who are married so that we can be strong against the temptations that we have as, as a married man or a married woman. It's for the single and for those with same-sex attraction. It's for the widowed as well. We all have a vocation and we need to not get caught up in that disordered sexual pleasure. We need to be strong and have the chastity to be able to have clarity of thought so we can recognize God's purpose in our lives and not get caught up in the confusion that blinds us from God's purpose. Another misunderstanding about chastity is that it's, it's about abstaining. If somebody's living a chaste life, that they're abstaining from sex. And this is, this is a misunderstanding because it, it's not about abstaining, but it's about using our sexuality for its intended purpose, as God intended, as procreated and unitive. And to doing so within the sacrament of marriage and to participate with God in creation. 
And finally, contrary to what our culture says, chastity is not a sign of weakness. Our culture says, oh, he's abstaining. What a wimp. Totally the opposite. You think of somebody who has the, the courage and the strength to stand up to today's temptations and say, no, I'm going to preserve myself. It takes a tremendous amount of fortitude and strength. Another misconception there. A few years back, there was a, a very popular television show, and it was about a group of colleagues that worked together, and there was this one episode where they just had a horrible week. All these bad things happened. And at the end of the week, they got together, and they were winding down and having a glass of wine, and, and uh, the conversation got into each of them telling the story of when they gave their virginity to someone. And one after the other, they went through and they elaborated on their stories about how juicy it was and all of the excitement, and they laughed and had a good time. And then there was one man who hadn't told his story. And this, this man in the, in the series was very well respected, very handsome man. And they kept goading him on to say, come on, tell us, tell us, tell us. And he hesitated, he pushed back, and finally he said, okay, My first time was on my wedding night with my wife. You could feel the air go out of the room when he shared that he had preserved himself, what is holy and sacred, so that he could offer himself as the perfect, holy, and pure gift for his spouse on his wedding night. What strength is that? What courage is that? We need to restore that courage in our families and in our societies. We need to help our children, our grandchildren understand the great gift of their bodies and how it's to be preserved as that perfect gift in chastity. What could be more beautiful? Why aren't we teaching our kids how beautiful this is? The next part of God's plan is the sacrament of marriage and how the sacrament of holy matrimony and the gift of our bodies to one another calls us into a total and exclusive exchange with our spouse. In 1 Thessalonians, Paul tells us, This is the will of God, your holiness, that you refrain from immorality, that each of you know how to acquire a wife for himself in holiness and honor, not in lustful passions as do the Gentiles who do not know God. For God did not call us into impurity, but to holiness. Now Jesus, in his example on the cross, his example of coming and living among us and preserving the purity of himself as the perfect sacrifice, he shows us that in the sacrament of marriage, we're to do the same thing. We're supposed to come to our spouse freely and fully, exclusively pure and without blemish as Jesus did. 
Now, in the sacrament of marriage, the couple comes together and they exchange vows. And the priest announces, I now pronounce you husband and wife. But the sacrament of holy matrimony is not complete yet. It's not complete until that man and that woman consummate their marriage in the marital act together and give themselves to one another fully and completely in their bodies. You see how our sexuality is holy and sacred, not something to be discarded and cheapened. And this all leads us to what God wants for all of us and what we want for us and for our children and grandchildren, and that is salvation where we can find complete joy and complete freedom from the temptations of the world when we are with Jesus in heaven. So through creation and through chastity and looking at Jesus and the sacrifice in his body, he offers us salvation in our body. And we see that our bodies are very critical to salvation. When we look in Catechism, paragraph 1015, which tells us the flesh is the hinge of salvation. We believe in God who is creator of the flesh. We believe in the word made flesh in order to redeem the flesh. We believe in the resurrection of the flesh, the fulfillment of both the creation and the redemption of the flesh. Our bodies are the hinge of salvation. It's so important that we understand how vital our bodies are in God's plan of salvation for us. When we follow God's plan, we can break free of that cycle of confusion. When we trust in God and in his, his wisdom, we have clarity of thought and clarity of mind to be able to cut through the chase and realize things are pretty clear cut here. We don't have to get caught up in the confusion of that gray space that society wants us to think that there is. And in our clarity of thought, we can make good choices about our sexuality and how to use our sexuality and that, that virtue of chastity. We have that clarity of thought for those good choices. And in our good choices, we build good relationships, strong relationships. And in our relationships being strong, we now have that union that we all desire. That union with one another, that union with God. Isn't this a much better plan than what Satan offers us in the worldly wisdom? I think so. So how do we put this in action? What are the practical things that we can do? Once again, we need to go back to the first, second, and third commandments. We need to pursue God and put God front and center in our lives, the most important in our lives, and get rid of all the distractions, get things in the right priority. We need to be humble and admit to any lustful vices that we have. And when we fall, we need to realize that God gives us a sacrament of confession. And this is something that we would do on a, on a frequent, regular basis. Another practical step, honor the sacred purpose of our bodies and to incorporate that into our actions and then cultivate and commit to the virtue of chastity. Don't just leave it to chance, but truly cultivate this. Another is to eliminate all sources of temptations. 
So if there's any TV shows, unsubscribe to those. Maybe even take the TV out completely. That's what it takes. Remove any magazines that are tempting you or any of those relationships that maybe you have in the workplace that aren't appropriate. Completely eliminate those. Maybe drive a different way home so you're not driving past the entertainment district. On your phones and on your computers, get an internet blocker. Don't just settle for the free ones. Pay for something that's got some real quality to it. And if you can't afford one of the good quality ones, find a way to pay for it. Because the cost of an internet blocker <laughs> is so much less than the cost of the damage that not having one can cause. There's something in your life that is causing you to fall and be tempted to temptations. Tear it out of your life. Completely eliminate it and get it out of your way. Make it easy to be good and hard to be bad. And then once you tear out and you pull out the temptations in your life, there's going to be a void there in your life. It's like somebody quitting to smoke. They have to replace it with something else. We have to do the same thing here. And so we need to quickly fill that void with something positive and constructive. And then if the problem persists, take steps to persevere and to seek help. I've left some specific uh, organizations and, and website addresses in your workbook. And if you're thinking, you know, I don't know that I'm up to fight this battle. It's too big of a hill to climb. The chains of lust and the slavery of lust are too strong. Don't give up hope because you're not alone. You're not alone in this because Jesus is there with you. Jesus knows what you're going through and he wants you to come to him and receive his grace in the sacrament of confession and to be healed by him. You're not alone. There was a time where I thought that I was alone in this. I struggled with pornography. I was an early adopter of the internet and it got its hooks in me and I became its slave. I went to a men's conference and I heard a man tell his story of how pornography literally destroyed his marriage, ruined his career. I have never seen a human being sob like this man sobbed as he told his story. Right after he told the story, they opened up for confession. I went and confessed my sin and Jesus in his mercy forgave me. By the grace of God, I don't struggle with pornography anymore. It's easy to turn my eye away from it because I've learned the damage that it causes. And by the grace of God, it doesn't have it hooks in me anymore, but I know, I know, I know, I'm only one step away from stupid. And it's right there. So I have to ever be vigilant and on my guard to make sure I don't step in that pile of stupid and get caught up in it again. 
Don't feel that you're alone. That's where Satan wants you to feel if you're struggling with this. But God in his grace wants to embrace you and let you know that he's ready to forgive and you're not alone. Now let's talk about our children and how to prepare them and protect them from the lures of, of adultery. And we have provided for you in your work with some useful insights and some information to prepare you to educate your children and your grandchildren. And I say the word conversations with them because there's no such thing as a talk about something that is so vital and so important. It's got to be a conversation that starts when they're young. Now, we don't start with the things that they don't need to know when they're four and five, but we start with them to talk to them about how God has given them a great gift in their body. And we start to talk to them about how touching, inappropriate touching, isn't something that they should allow. And to come and tell mommy and daddy if somebody does. But we start when they're very young before they've been exposed to the ugliness of what we've talked about today. Before they've been violated by a, a predator we need to start talking with them very young. As they get a little bit older, we can start to talk to them about the Holy Sacrament of Matrimony and start to show them the beauty of it and how the Holy Sacrament of Matrimony is not what the world is portraying. It's beautiful and it's a gift from God and how their bodies are a part of it. And as they get older, you can start talking to them about how to preserve themselves as that perfect gift. Teach them about chastity and the greatness and how strong a person is if they pursue chastity and how chastity helps them to not trade something that's greater for something less. Help them to understand that so that they can ward off the temptations and the messages of the world that confuses them. In regards to abstinence, don't focus on what not to do. Focus on how they should live their lives, how they should be protecting themselves, and how they should know that their bodies are a part of their salvation. Now, when we talk to our kids about sexuality, is it going to be a little awkward? <laughs> yeah. And what do the kids say? Oh, mom and dad, you know, it's no big deal. Don't worry about it. They taught us at school and so forth. Well, that's their way of getting out of feeling awkward. Persevere in that conversation. Get through that awkwardness. Get them past that awkwardness so that you can have a good, healthy conversation and allow them to ask questions. And it's not just us telling them what to do and what not to do, but it's a conversation. And it happens over time. And when we start when they're very young, it becomes more natural. And it doesn't stop when they become teenagers. It continues on into their college years where the real temptations start to, to play out. And, and even beyond, as they become adults, and maybe they're tempted in their workplace, it, make them feel comfortable to come and have that conversation. Let them know your failings because they can learn through our failings and they can see that we're human beings too, and they can feel together with us, and we can understand what they're going through. The action plan and family activity is 
to review the presentation notes from tonight and think about those that you felt most uncomfortable with and spend some time praying to God, quiet time with God to say, what is it that's causing me to feel so awkward about this? And as a family activity, draft a general outline for having an intentional, well-thought-out conversation with your children about their bodies and their sexuality. Put this together and, and talk with your spouse about it. If you're a grandparent, maybe have the conversation with your children on how they might be able to approach this and start while their kids are young so that they can grow up with these conversations and feel comfortable with it. Next time, we'll focus on the seventh commandment, you shall not steal. Uh, we won't get in the mud so much on, on this commandment here. Um, this commandment I really like. It tells us not to steal, but it calls us to generosity. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Creator of the universe and redeemer of our souls, give us your grace to grow in your commandments each day and your mercy when we stumble. You are the Lord, our God. We will not have other gods before you. We will not use your name in vain, but will glorify your name in all our words and actions. We will remember to keep holy the Lord's day by preserving it only for worshiping in you, resting in you, and for relationship with family and friends. We will honor our father and mother and teach our children to do the same. We will not kill, but will honor and protect life from conception to natural death. We will not commit adultery, but will honor our bodies for the sacred purpose of new life. We will not steal, but instead cultivate a heart of generosity. We will not lie, but rather honor truth in our words and actions. And we will not covet our neighbor's spouse, and we will not covet the things of this world, but rather we will set our heart on building treasures in heaven. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go ahead and break into your group discussions with the last uh, two questions in your workbook. Number three there is, how do we accomplish our mission to restore the preciousness and miracle of our bodies for future generations? And number four, what is the most important lesson you learned today that you need to teach your children and your grandchildren? Thank you and I look forward to continuing next time.